remember it because uh, I was a junior in college when this movie came out and I'm sitting in the theater uh, with all these like families, like moms and, and dads with their kids and everything. Uh, and, and as this scene comes up, I'm like, I, I'm, I've got tears in my eyes. And I've got this lump in my throat. And I'm like, if anyone looks over here, they're going to think I'm a crazy person. And so I, I, re, I remember actually that moment because it, it touched the, this moment more than anything else. You know, there's all these miracles and this incredible animated depiction of Moses. This moment hit me the most because I was feeling the weight of it. I was feeling the power of this moment because this, this moment to me in, in this movie defines our entire human existence. And what I mean by that is everyone knows what it feels like, just like Moses, to believe or to feel that you are incapable of accomplishing the task that's in front of them. You feel unworthy to lead out. You feel unqualified or even too weak or you've had too many failures or you, there's no way that you can overcome the obstacle that is in front of you. This is universal in the human experience. Just as sure as I say that, you can think of many opportunities that you've had where you go, I don't know if I'm up to the task. I don't know if I have what it takes. And what put a lump in my throat in that moment is when God... God comes over Moses, Moses feeling like he's not the one that is meant to do the job that God is asking him to do and for God to swoop in and pick him up in his arms and say, I'm going to be with you. How powerful is this, this moment? And that's what meant the most to me. Even as I was thinking about the things that the Lord was putting in my heart to do well before I was even in a vocational ministry or as a pastor, I had big things that were in my heart, but just felt like I was not qualified to do. And the Lord was swooping in and saying that same thing to me. And I know that uh, for those of you that have called out to Jesus, you felt that as well. And I can't think of anything in all of life that is more sacred. I want you to think about this for just a moment. I can't think of anything more sacred in all the world where the creator of the universe comes and wants to pick us up and to partner with us to accomplish his purposes in the earth. How powerful is that? I mean, if, if we were actually just to take stock of, of, of what that actually means, that, that God would come and whisper and pick us up and say, I'm asking you to do something. I want to partner with you. And I know it feels daunting or it feels like you maybe can't do it. And that's what it feels like. But the truth is, you're the exact person that I'm calling to do this. You're the one that you are the one that I want to partner with. And I felt that that day. And I hope that we have a chance to even feel that because I think one of the greatest robberies that we ever experience as humans are the lies that come from the enemy and the lies that we tell ourselves that we are too flawed, that we have too many failures, that we're too empty, or that we're not mature enough to actually make a real difference in this life. Those lies are perpetuated over and over and over by the enemy. And I know, and I feel like even this morning, the Lord wants to stamp out anything that is whispering to you 
to say that you do not have a partnership or a calling with the Lord, that you absolutely 110% do. That's what I would just want to take a few minutes to unpack with you this morning, because you got to hear this truth this morning, and it's important for every one of us to know this. Um, if you're a follower of Jesus, this is true of you. And that is this, listen, leadership is your destiny. Leadership is absolutely your destiny and humility is the pathway to it. Leadership is your calling, it is your destiny and humility is the way forward to it. So I wanna unpack that a little bit this morning. If you don't have a Bible, it's important for you to be able to grab one. First Corinthians chapter one, I want you to be able to see this for yourself uh, so that you can investigate the word of God even as I unpack it a little bit. First Corinthians chapter one, we're going to start in verse 26. And Paul is unpacking for the Corinthian church. He's unveiling for the Corinthian church the, the importance of this moment for the, the people responding to the gospel. And so here's what he says, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26. He says, For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Now, I love uh, what Paul is trying to get at, because he's he wanting to make this statement about you and about me and about his people, that this work that God has done inside of us, bringing us into his family, saving us from separation from him is a powerful thing. And that this thing has been brought to us on purpose because there are many of us that would look at our lives and go, who are we? We don't have all these great and crazy uh, uh, places that we come from, these awesome names, these awesome identities. In fact, he goes through this and says, like, many of you were, says, were not studied. You're not intellectual or deeply philosophical, right? You, you, you aren't versed in all the, 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 the social philosophies that are going on. So meaning if you were on a debate platform, you'd want to get out of there as fast as you could, right? You don't feel like you've got all the things right and uh, lined up in your head. Or he says, many of you were not powerful, right? You don't have a, essentially he's saying you didn't have any political clout, right? You have no powers uh, or you have no sway with the powers that be. You're not connected in the corporate or political power structures. And he says, some of you, he says, many of you, you were low, meaning you weren't born into privileged, great privileged families with all these resources to be able to affect change with your wealth or your position because of your family name. So he's looking at all of these things and saying, all the conventional ways in which we define leadership in our culture. Essentially, education, 
politics, wealth, position. All of those ways that we tend to define what leadership actually is, God didn't choose any of that. What he chose, he chose what's foolish. It seems foolish to the rest of the world to shame the wise. He chose the weak over the strong. He chose the low. This word actually literally means insignificant. I don't know if you've ever felt insignificant before. I think it's actually really easy. You live here in Nashville and everybody's trying to make it big and do the next big thing or the next big project or the next big song or whatever the thing is. And you can easily feel insignificant. And here's what it says. The Lord chose insignificant on purpose. That even as we have often felt defined, in fact, the world, what the world says is even the things that it despises, the Lord chose it. And this is, these are important positions because those, all those words, what is foolish and what is weak and what is insignificant, the Lord says, that's perfect. Those are the agents for which I want to come and bring change. I want to shift the world. I want to turn the thing upside down with that. That's actually what I'm looking for. What God is saying is what is normally seen as great or big achievements or big time fame or big time acclaim, those things are nothing in light of the kingdom of God. Every big and amazing thing that's done is 110% temporary and insignificant in light of the saving work of God in our lives. All of it. Every ounce of it. Why? And the question is why? Why is God not looking for the big or the radically significant or the ones with the big names? Why is the Lord not looking to partner with that? He gives the answer for it. Really clear. It's because when everything is said and done, when this life is all over, there's not one person that will be able to look back and go, but it was because of me. It was all because of me and the great things I brought to the table. No, every one of us will say, I can't believe the Lord used me. And the only boasting we'll have is that God took somebody that was nothing, that didn't have much, and he made his name great. He used us for great things. He used us to see change and transformation take a hold of this world, to advance his kingdom and to push back darkness. All the things that are in God's heart to do, he wants to do through you, through me, through us, that all glory and honor and power and dominion, they're going to be all his because he chose to use us. Every one of us are just walking demonstrations of God's incredible grace and mercy. That's the point. This is what the Lord is wanting to, if you will, cry out over the earth. This is who I'm looking for. Therefore, church, hear this. Leadership is your calling. He's looking for those that don't think that they have much to offer and say, you have everything to offer because I want to come and partner with you. And what he'll say is, I'm looking for those with hearts of humility that are willing to say yes, that it takes a sense of humility. And this is, of course, what we see all throughout the word of God. This is what we'll see over and over and over. Every person God chooses all throughout the scripture are undignified, 
They have no stature, but because of God's grace, they were authorized by his spirit to lead. Not because of any of their abilities, but just because God wants to make every one of us a demonstration of his greatness. That's who we are. That's the crux. If you hear this, the crux of all biblical leadership is becoming agents who show that God is merciful and gracious to use broken vessels for his glory. This is what he wants to do. And we'll see it over and over. You got to see it here just briefly in this video clip that we showed of Moses, right? He's, and if you actually go back to Exodus chapter four, Moses argues way worse than even what you got to see in the, in the showing here in this in particular depiction, right? Just trying to push back and going, God, I'm not the one to do it. And the Lord says, no, you're the one to do it. I know you don't feel like you're the one to do this, but you are. We see this all the way. We can go back to Abram before he he was even Abraham, Genesis chapter 12. I'm going to make you a great nation. He's going, God, I can't even have a kid. I don't even have capacity for that. How could you say this? So there's this constant, like, why, how could you choose me? It's not possible for you to choose me. You go back to Esther and see that God cho chooses essentially what is an exiled slave girl. Right? She's not even, they're not even a part of a great nation. They've been exiled away, and yet the Lord uses her to save an entire race, her entire people. God chooses her. Who is she to be chosen except for the Lord shows grace and favor? Gideon in Judges chapter 6, he says, God says, I'm going to choose you. So they've been under oppression from the Midianites for seven years. And he says, I've seen the cry of my people. I'm going to respond. He says, I'm going to use you, Gideon. He goes, he goes, why? He goes, says, we, we're the weakest clan in our tribe and I'm the least in my family. How could you even do this? And the Lord says, I know exactly what I'm doing. And oh, by the way, you're going to stand against the Midianite army. You're going to do that with 300 guys. And so it almost feels like the Lord's just playing in some ways, just saying, let me show you what I can do if you're just willing to say yes. Is there a yes in your spirit? And we'll see this all throughout the scripture and Daniel and Peter and the other disciples and Paul the apostle, right? I mean, even the using of, of Paul is such an incredible study, right? He's, he has great stature with religious elites, right? But he is a criminal of humanity, right? Because you, you and I, we look right now, we can look at the cancel culture. The cancel culture that's going on right now is nothing in light of what was going on with Paul. I mean, think about how bad you are to have someone come, to, to, to be one who goes systematically door to door to have the followers of Jesus executed because of their belief, that's cancel culture. This is what Paul's a part of. And let, yet the Lord wants to pull this man in and say, you had a messy, gross, broken past. I'll use you for my glory. And this is the call of the Lord on our lives. Every single person will be called by God, hear this, to do way more than they ever thought they were capable of. To partner with him to touch people's lives. And it's going to look a, a, a billion different ways. In fact, your calling won't be my calling. My calling won't be yours. But what is universal is that the Lord has calling on your life. And he has calling on my life. And we're meant to step into it. And so we've got to begin this process of wrestling with that voice that goes on inside of our head.
to say that you don't have what it takes, that you can't be happy because of your past, that you can't be successful because of your failures, that you cannot matter because of who your family is, or you cannot have peace because of who you married, or you cannot have joy because of the mistakes you've made, or that you cannot lead because you are unworthy to lead, or that you can't be known because you will be rejected. Every single lie that I just described, Jesus took those on his shoulders, and he carried it right to the cross. That's the record for every person that's ever encountered the goodness of God. And so it's time for us to break free from the lies. It's time for us to say, the Lord has called me. He didn't just call me to just be a part of his family. He called me to be a part of his family and to help others. That there's a leadership mantle on my life. That God has something specific and unique for me that Pastor Keith is not called to fulfill. That David is not called to fulfill. That anyone that you might know or point to or any of the great and incredible people that we get to see on platforms all the time. And I, this is the most important thing, I think, for us, especially in the culture that we come from. Because so many people look, especially in here in the Middle Tennessee area, are looking for an opportunity to stand on a platform to be able to influence people. And while that's not wrong or evil or bad, I can tell you this, the vast majority of the leadership in the kingdom of God is not going to happen from platforms. It's going to happen when people just say, the king of the universe wants to partner with me. And I just want to say, yes, I know I'm meant to lead. I don't know what my mantle will look like, but I just want to keep saying yes to him. I want to incline my ear. I want to reject the lie of the enemy. Let Jesus take that to the cross and bury it into the ground. And I want to come out alive and victorious, believing that God wants to use me to touch people's lives. Therefore, whatever mantle the Lord has for you, it may feel daunting. It might feel even a little bit like I can't do it, but it's never too big. Whatever it is that God has for you, it's never too big. The Lord is able to accomplish it. He wants to do it. He wants us to be yoked to him, connected to him and moving forward. And so here's the question, and I'll just, I'm gonna finish up with this. How do I develop my leadership? That's the question. How do I begin to develop this leadership mantle this calling that God has on my life. And I have just two simple instructions and I'm gonna pray for us and we're gonna finish. Number one, are you ready for this? Get ready for this kind of wisdom, all right? Okay. Get dressed in humility every day. Get dressed in humility every day. Uh, this is, it, this might feel not super practical. Maybe it feels practical to you. Uh, but here's what is super practical. Every day you have to get dressed. Unless you're a crazy person, uh, you have to get dressed every day. Uh, sometimes you even have to shower, right, to get ready. In fact, um, I, in fact I actually remember the days. There, there was a point and a moment in our lives. Um, we, were, we had four children in our house under the age of five and a half. So maybe five and a half to six, somewhere in there. We had four kids, six years and younger, okay? And I remember those days where it was a radical win for my wife to be able to get a shower. That was just, we were just trying to get through the day to manage this household that we had, that God had granted to us and we love it. It was amazing. It was, but that was the life we were living for a moment. It was like taking a shower as a win. And so we, 
But we all have days where it, we have to get dressed. Maybe getting dressed means that you never get out of your pajamas, but you at least brush your teeth by the grace of God. Here's what I want to say. When you get dressed, very simple and practical. When you get dressed, would you be willing to also clothe yourself in the humility of the king of the universe? What I mean by that is 1 Peter chapter 5. Here's what he says. And this is so important for us to grab hold of. First Peter chapter five, verse five, he says, clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time, he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. What a powerful text. If this, I, I can't think of anything more practical. If you want to grow in the leadership mantle that God has for your life, it starts with being clothed in the humility of the king of the universe because with it comes all the grace you will need for the day. And the Lord's promise is when we humble ourselves before him, he meets us in that place and he'll lift us up at the proper time. And God knows every moment and every second and every hour, it's time to lift you up, to raise your voice to another level, to bring you to be one who brings influence. Because sometimes our influence are just, is, it feels like it's just the people that are inside of our house. But I can't tell you, there's nothing more powerful than influencing even just the people that live in your home. But we've got to be clothed with the humility of the Lord. This is what he's asking us to put on. If you feel, I want you to hear this. If you are feeling opposition every day to what, what you believe is the Lord's call in your life, if you're feeling opposition, it's a great opportunity to just ask the question, Lord, is there anything in me that comes with pride? Is there any part of me that's operating out of a spirit of pride and not out of a spirit of arrogance? Because I've found that if the times where I feel the most resistance is because there's lies that I've tended to believe that keep me holding on to a spirit of pride. Uh, and we, we often say, I would never, ever do that. No one ever invites, listen, no one ever invites an attitude of pride or a spirit of pride in, but it happens so quietly and so easily. In fact, I love this, uh, this quote that we have for you uh, this morning from Tim Keller. He says, pride is the carbon monoxide of sin. It silently and slowly kills you without you even knowing. I love that quote because it's so incredibly true because it'll just creep up inside. And so it's so important for us to address the issue of pride in our life and just be able to say, uh, Lord, I want to partner with what you're doing and I know that I need your grace to do it. And it comes with a spirit of humility. In fact, there is a false humility and I want to speak to this. There's a false humility that sounds like humility, but it says, listen, I'm not a leader. I, you know, I'm not called, you know, this is not my land. I, I couldn't do that. You know, I haven't done enough here. Or, you know, I, I've, I don't have that much education. Or I'm not that or whatever the, the, the arguments against what the Lord might be doing. That's called a false humility. Well, not me. I'm, I'm just kind of the lowly person. I just, that is a false humility. And listen, all false humility is rooted in pride. Because ultimately, uh, pride says, well, this is about me. And when it's about me, we start to shirk back and we push back from the mantle that God's calling us into. And so humility says this. I want you to hear this. True humility says, 
with God, all things are possible. With God leading me, understanding it's God's life and not my own, that whatever God calls me to do, I can do. That's what true humility says. When you and I are clothed in humility, whatever God is saying, there's grace to be able to partner with it if we'll just say yes. So number one, be clothed in humility. Just ask the Lord, just literally as you're getting ready each and every day, just make that your prayer. As you put your shirt on or in the shower or whatever, or as you're getting your breakfast together, just say, Lord, would you clothe me in you? Help wash me in your humility. Let me say yes to you today. I want to partner with you. I think it's the most important thing that we can do. Step one. All right, step two is this. Leadership is lived out through serving. Leadership, true leadership is lived out with a lens of looking for the opportunity to bless, love, and serve other people. The leadership of heaven is to serve others. That whatever leadership or an influence that God has granted to us, whether it's in our homes or through our careers, it is for the express purpose of serving people so that they know that there is a God who loves them. Therefore, church, listen, you are a leader. You are a leader. That's how the kingdom of God works. The lies to believe that there isn't leadership if it's not, I'm not on a platform or if I'm not influencing the masses, or I don't have that many followers on Instagram, or all those things, that's not what Jesus said. And even as his disciples are having an argument about, you know, uh, who's going to be the greatest, right? They, they had the same wrestles you and I have about stardom. Who's going to be the greatest? We all want to be the great star. We all want to be known. And they're having this argument. I love it in Luke chapter 9. It says there's a, a, an argument. Luke chapter 9 verse 46. It says an argument arose among them as to which one of them was the greatest. But Jesus, knowing the reasoning of their hearts, he took a child by, and put him by his side. And he said to them, whoever receives this child in my name receives me. And whoever receives me receives him who sent me. For he who is the least among you, all is the one who is great. I love that. I love this picture where Jesus says it's, the, it's loving and serving. It's laying our lives. It's not about the greatest. It's actually among the least. In fact, I think this is an incredible shout out. I just want to give a quick shout out to every one of you that do kids ministry and help and minister and serve here at our church with kids ministry. That's what Jesus was doing. He's like, whoever's willing to serve this little kid, you're a leader. You're making a difference. You're going to be great in the kingdom. And so all of our kids ministry people, just extra crowns in heaven for you. I want to say that, all right? And I love you and I thank you. And if anyone else wants to jump on that train, God has big things for you in eternity because you're willing to say, I'm just going to serve the littles. I love that. Uh, Mark 10, verse 43, the same, same thing, different conversations, same thing. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. That's the kind of leadership I want from you. It's not self-aggrandizing. It's not self-deprecating. It is a heart given to serving and caring for people, that you will gain influence in people's lives when they see that you care about them.
You're going to gain all the influence and leadership you want when people see and know. And it might take time. It's not overnight in our culture where we love everything to happen tomorrow or now. I can't even wait for tomorrow, but we need for it to happen now. The influence of the kingdom is going to happen day in and day out when we serve and give. In fact, I love, uh, if you've read John Maxwell, one of my favorite, favorite authors, he's got some brilliant uh, and what I would say biblical concepts on the, uh, on the idea of leadership. One of my favorite quotes from his 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership, his book. You need to read it if you haven't read it. It says, the true measure of leadership is influence. And nothing more, nothing less. Church, you're influencing people. You're influencing someone. This is the call in our lives is to influence others. And the crux of all leadership is actually just influence. So we're asking God, would you give us a heart to serve? There's lots of leadership out there that is self-serving to get what they want. Uh, That's not God's calling on your life. There's lots of leadership out there that is self-promoting to get others to say, you're awesome and you're famous. That's not the calling or what God wants on our lives. There's lots of leadership out there that are people honestly trying to mask their insecurities by being louder or more domineering uh, to, to seek and to amass more fame and more fortune. Listen, that's not what the Lord's calling us to. The Lord is simply calling us to serve. And so if you want to know how you can amp up your leadership, it's asking the question as you're being clothed in humility in the morning is to say, Lord, who can I serve today? Listen, this is a game changer because this changes how you see your boss, changes how you see your employees or your coworkers. It changes how you see your spouse or your children. It changes how you see your friendships. It changes everything. When we're clothed with humility, we're aligned with God's plan and purpose. Then there's grace to influence in leadership everyone that God's going to pull in our, in our social circles and spheres. So I want to say this is a calling on us as a church. As we're defining the culture around our church, here's the culture in our church. You're a leader. You're meant to influence and change and see the kingdom of God move forward to push back darkness. And I want to call each of us into new levels of leadership by going more and more into depths of humility and trusting the Lord's influence in our lives. To take that step forward and realize that the Holy Spirit, the God of the universe is living inside of us. He has a mission to fulfill through us. He wants to do the exact same thing that he did when Jesus was here on the earth to lay our lives down to serve so that people will forever know that God of the universe loves them too. That's why we do what we do. That's why we're here. I'm gonna pray for us and we're gonna close this time. And my encouragement, Mike, my prayer for you is would you just begin to ask the Lord, Lord, who are you calling me to serve? Who are you calling me to lead and influence by serving? And would you give me a spirit of humility that would believe, Lord, that I'm partnering with you for all your plans and purposes, that I won't shrink back because of the lies the enemy tells me, but I'll trust you. Father, I ask that you would anchor these truths in us today. I pray that everyone that's joining us today would sense and know and feel that they are called by you, have been given great design and purpose, and that they'll say yes to it. And even as you, def- as you anchor down this culture that God, you're building here in our church, Lord, I ask that you would lift it up You'd lift this truth up, Lord, your call on our lives to love people, to serve people, and lead people well. Lord, help us to have eyes for all the ways we can partner with you in our daily lives, Monday through Saturday, 
and see it. Father, I thank you for the ways that you've given us to serve even your family here on Sundays, the ways we partner and love each other. Do you increase and bring more and more people alongside us to serve? We bless you and we thank you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.